Hey folks, you're listening to the Mission Sicily podcast. I'm Brian, and together we're making disciples, planting churches, and building bridges of hope at the crossroads of cultures. Well, welcome back. We are midway through the month of September, and while I've got a lot of updates for you today on the successful reboot of this mission, the main thing I want to deal with is how you can pray into, in a strategic way, this brand new season of mission and ministry here in Sicily. So we've got three main objectives that I need your help praying into, and I'm going to lay those out for you and then dig into each one so that you can pray informed. Why? (laughs) For souls to be saved, for lives to be changed, and for new ground to be gained here in what Time Magazine has called the darkest continent on the planet, spiritually speaking, and where we know that less than 1% of the population profess a saving faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now, I know these things are important to be reminded of because I know they're important to you and they help us together to focus strategically and partner effectively. All right, so here we go. Uh, We are now exactly two months into this relaunch of Mission Sicily, and probably from now on we'll just call it a reboot or version 2.0 of this mission that officially began back in 2013. But uh, most of you know the story, and you can find this online in detail, but just to recount briefly uh, for those of you that are newer, I've been visiting Italy and Sicily for almost 30 years now. And first it was in the military and then both for ministry and then discovering the extended family that I have over here. My mom's side of the family is Italian. Um, And now finally in a full-time mission capacity. Uh, I mean, this is what I feel called to do in life. And so it's been my trajectory for years to be here in Sicily and already the foundation is being laid uh, to expand this mission and ministry to the Italian peninsula to the mainland. So God has given me a deep heart for the people here. If you've talked to me, uh, I know if you're a partner with this ministry and we've sat down over a meal or a coffee, uh, you've heard my heart. uh, And there are probably tears, (laughs) you know, when I start to talk about the people and and what God's doing here. And I, I want this podcast, I hope that this podcast will relay some of that uh, in inspiration and, and heartfelt care uh, for the people of Sicily, uh, convey that over to you. You know, it's like my friend uh, and my co-labor, Gino, a local pastor here, he likes to say, c'è un sacco di lavoro da fare qui. He says, we have so much work to do here. <laughs> he goes on to explain a little bit, ma è un doppio lavoro, it's a double work. First, you have to undo the prevailing and largely unbiblical worldview that persists here. And then you have to introduce people to Jesus for the first time. I remember uh, my mother came out of the Catholic Church. Uh, You know, she was a good Italian Catholic, Roman Catholic, grew up in a Catholic church. But when she came out at the age of 28, 
she said, no one had ever introduced me to Jesus. And this is in America. Over here, it's much more entrenched in the, not just the doctrine of the prevailing Pope or whoever that might be at the time, but also in the traditions and the superstitions that go along with Catholicism here in Europe. And so my heart is not to, you know, change people's minds about the Catholic Church and paint some negative picture of why they need to escape. What we want to do is introduce people to Jesus. That's it. And in order to do that, in order to introduce them to Jesus, we've got to have a disciple-making strategy. We have to have not a template, but an open-handed strategy that we apply in order to set goals and move forward. We've got to have a strategy for church planting, and we've got to have a strategy for bridge building, and that's what I want to help you pray informed about uh, at the end of this podcast. But first of all, uh, before we get into all of that, here's a short list of what the last month uh, has been like. As you know, I returned here home to Sicily in July of this year on the 15th, and it has been quite the roller coaster. Not all bad, and even some of it good. So I can tell you this the heat has been turned down. Uh, as you know, last month we hit. Uh, 120 degrees Fahrenheit uh, right here in Sicily, just about an hour south. Uh, here it was about 10 degrees cooler, uh, 109 we hit. Um, yeah, there were parts of the island saying that they had hit about 124. If that's true, it was hotter than Death Valley here in Sicily. So now the rains have finally come. Uh, they've cooled things off a bit. I'm so grateful for that. And they've put out a lot of those wildfires that we were having, although Mount Etna, Europe's largest and most active volcano, continues to spew lava at record levels. But that's good. That's actually really good news according to volcanologists or um, however they go by over here. I'm not sure what the technical term is, but I understand that as long as she is consistently letting off steam and lava, it's a good thing. There's no buildup massing underneath the surface to be afraid of. Just this morning, I woke up to what I thought at first was some kind of construction or blasting, very rhythmic going on, but no, uh, that was just Etna blowing off some steam. So happy for that. Well, some of you are familiar with the new in-country restrictions that I alluded to last month, which here in Italy is called the Green Pass. Now, it's almost impossible at this point to go about your business, to go to school, uh, to do various kinds of transactions out in public, even at government buildings, that kind of thing, let alone travel without some form of this new certificate validating that you comply with various anti-COVID measures. Now, for Americans here living in Italy, it's quite unnerving. We tend to value our independence over safety, usually. And here's where I've arrived on all this. Now, I'm not going to get into anything political besides the politics here in Italy are drastically different than those that are in the States. Um, no, on the contrary, I want to give a faith 
statement that I was just sharing with my daughters who are wondering how to deal with all this as well. I've got one in the States and one over here, and this is the same advice uh, that I was giving them. And I'm not giving you this advice, but I'm just sharing where my heart is on this because obviously it affects our ministry. It affects our ability to live and work and do what God's called us to do over here. So I want you to see behind the scenes uh, a little bit to understand what's behind the curtain here in my heart for uh, all of this, this situation that's going on over here. So here's where I've come to. Whether we live or die, whether we get the vaccine or not. In anything and in everything that we do, we are obliged as believers to live by faith. That's it. So if you're going to get vaccinated, great. Do it by faith because you want to live in peace wherever God has placed you. I mean, at peace politically, physically, psychologically, socially, and in following all of the directives of your various jobs, occupation, travel, public activities, et cetera, et cetera. If you choose not to get it, great. Do it by faith as well. But whatever you do, get rid of the fear as a base motivation for your actions. And, and wow, that's the, that's the real punchline, right? Because there is so much fear on both sides of that equation. And so that's as far as I'll go in, in this matter, but I just want to be really bold to say fear is the enemy. In other news, let's move on. I'm about done with all the bureaucracy of getting reestablished here. It has taken more than a month, about five and a half weeks, actually. And that's after living here since 2013 and retaining residency all the way through. Oh, it is exhausting. But I feel like I'm set back up now. I've got my sea legs under me. I'll use that analogy, having been in the Navy, although I was never on a ship. And it's been good reconnecting with the partners that I used to work with here around Catania. Over the next few weeks, I'll be traveling in the north as well and calling on several potential partners, uh, ranging from the area around Brescia, if you know that side of uh, the northern territory of Italy, all the way uh, as far as the west side of Torino. And so that's quite a large swath. Um, I've got a couple partners up there that I'll be calling in on. And, and so while we're talking about that, let's just go ahead and transition into the prayer strategy for this season. Okay, so in the newsletter, I've stayed to just a few points, but I'll dig down a little deeper here on the podcast since you're listening, and it's less work for you, and I'm happy to take that on myself in order to help you be informed, uh, and I'll speak to that part in just a minute. The first prayer point is partnerships forged. So we've been here since 2013, but I've been traveling here since far before that. And partnerships go way back here and they're, they're deep and you need that kind of stability. It's just like how they build buildings here for the earthquakes and for the, you know, being right here on Mount Etna, there's earthquakes all the time. And you've got to have structures that can withstand. And really partnerships are that is that kind of foundational structure that you need over here in order to sustain 
whatever work that you do, ministry that you do, and to see fruit from it. So let, let's talk about in terms of, and uh, with both of these in a super local fashion, this is a town of just 28,000 people, small, small town, small village, um, just outside of a larger metropolitan city called Catania. But in this town, these two are my primary partnerships. And then in eastern Sicily, this is all alongside the eastern seaboard here around Mount Etna, Catania, the greater metroplex, a couple towns up north, a couple towns down south. I'm forging new partnerships. These are pastors. These are people that are passionate about refugees and immigrants. And these are people that are making progress with the local church being mobilized to serve their neighbors and the immigrants and the refugees among them, uh, what in biblical terms, the stranger among us. And then in Northern Italy, which I mentioned just a minute ago, new partnerships are opening up. And I don't wanna get into too many details now, but they all have to do with the same thing, which is our mission statement. We are making disciples, planting churches, and building bridges of hope here in Italy. So pray for that for the next two weeks until the end of this month of September. I'll be traveling around in the north, meeting up with some of these partners, and I would love you to pray into these new partnerships that God would make very clear his plan and next steps for us to take together in partnership. Second point is strategies to emerge. So as I mentioned, this mission is not brand new. It has gone into a new evolution. It's version 2.0, if you will. Um, but in reality, we have a lot of momentum behind us. And what Gino and I want to do at this point is use this time to pause strategically and say, God, what are the strategies that you're wanting us to implement in this new season? We don't just want to pick up and run with everything that we were doing before. Why? Well, there's a couple reasons for that. One, it's just not wisdom. You want to see what God is doing new in every new season, right? And then secondly, there's that old proverb, I think I've shared it with you before, that everything works and nothing works here, right? So there's this idea um, that... Here in, in Italy, here in Sicily, there's no template, really. You are, I don't want to say you're flying by the seat of your pants, but you also don't want to get stuck on some kind of tradition or routine because it won't last very long. And so what we've observed is that it's not just that everything works or nothing works here. It's also this idea that everything has changed in the two years that I've been gone and nothing has really changed in the two years that I've been gone. And so what we wanna do is we, we wanna clear the table, put it right back in the Lord's hands and say, God, what are you calling us to do right now in this season? A lot of the people have changed. What do I mean by that? Well, we still have people in isolation, and I'll talk about that in a minute inside of the church. 
team members on different partner uh, in different partnership groups have changed. While I was back in the States on furlough, others were coming off of the field permanently. New members have come onto the field permanently, or what we hope will be permanent. Uh, remember that there is a 90 plus percent attrition rate of missionaries here in Italy. Nine out of 10 don't make it past the three-year marker. So people are changing Frequently, well, the rules have changed also. I mean, during all this time, I came off the field in late 19. Everything was hunky-dory, right? I came back over here in February of 20. And at that point, we knew that there was something about a new virus going around, blah, blah, blah. Nobody really cared. Uh, you know, there were no masks at that point. You're looking around on the plane when anybody would uh, cough and you'd be like, oh, I need to, you know, cover my shirt up over my nose, you know, or something like that because you thought, okay, well, this is, it's like the flu, right? Or something, you know, some variant. But we knew nothing at that point and there were no rules um, at all. When I came back in November, everything had changed. They were monitoring, you know, the temperature on you and you had to have a mask, but there was still no vaccine at, at that point. And so by this point, it's a year and a half, almost two years down the road, everything has changed about normal life. And some of you remember what it was like after 9-11, of course, uh, in the airports especially, you saw drastic new changes and we're seeing the same thing over here. So the people and the rules have changed. Well, talking about strategy, the final point here is about targeting cities and specific people groups. So as you know, and, and you can see a video on, the, on this on the Facebook group and in a previous newsletter, uh, I'll put a link to it below just so that you can grab it if you haven't seen it yet. But I'm up on a nearby hill outside of this town of Bel Paso, and I'm able to show you a bird's eye view of these specific towns that we were targeting before I left, which was our town, obviously, of Bel Paso. Uh, we had Piano Tavola. We had Molta San Anastasia. We had uh, Nicolosi. So these three, four different towns, different communities, were all on our radar, and we were forming new believer groups. So these were groups that we hoped people would come into an encounter with Jesus. Uh, they're getting familiar with what it means to be a believer and to be a Christ follower so that we could, out of that, form new disciples. And so we wanted we want to just pause and not just rush back in to doing the same thing in the same cities, you know, but say, God, what are the specific people groups in these towns? Or is there a, another town that we haven't even thought of yet that's nearby and has no gospel witness that we can get into and start building bridges? So moving then to the final one, the Bel Paso Church. This is an older church. For Italy, it's 40 years old, which is really, really old for evangelical Protestantism. And so what I, what I want to say about that is that sometimes the older the ship is, the harder it is to turn. <laughs> so we have, we have a lot of people that have been in the church for a long time, done it their certain way for a long time. Some of you that come out of a Baptist tradition, you know, I, I've traveled around and spoken at Baptist churches before, and in some of those in the South especially, they, you know, first thing when you show up as a, as a guest, they want to show you their history. So they open up the books, and Daniel Boone had 
had come through and Davy Crockett was here and he signed the legend, you know, that kind of thing where they're sharing the, the history that goes behind the church so that you understand their roots and where they're from. Well, that's a really positive thing. Or I should say it can be a really positive thing, right? But you also know that that kind of lengthy tradition also says we are in, you know, I don't want to say stuck, but we're going to do it this certain way because we've always done it this certain way. And so what Gino and I love, love, love about planting new churches is that we get to create the DNA, a biblical gospel-infused DNA that's very mobile and very active and very mission-oriented from the start. But we've got a church that's 40 years old and we've got 100 people in it which is a huge church over here. And we want to be able to infuse that DNA in them. So what I would ask you to pray about is not just the structure, the new structure, meaning the physical uh, building that we're building on the new land, which I'll share about in a second, but the new structure of the church internally. What changes need to be made? What direction, new direction needs to be set? Where are we going in a new vision for this next season? So we are winterizing the greenhouse. You've seen pictures. If you've gotten the newsletters, you can go on the Instagram account uh, for Mission Sicily or on the Facebook account for Mission Sicily. And you can see the, the kind of a temporary permanent structure. What I mean by that is we're using it temporarily, but we hope it's going to be a permanent structure that we can use moving forward even after we build in the coming years a, a larger permanent building for the church. So we are winterizing the greenhouse because right now it's just got these, you know, little plexiglass panels, which Sicily can get cold, especially up here on the mountain. Uh, it, it, it's kind of like in Tennessee, you might dip down below freezing once in a while. It's not often, but it does get cold and we want people to be comfortable and be able to come to church, especially because we have, um, you know, like just the median age here in Italy. In keeping with that, we have an old, uh, old I, I guess you'd say that we are an aging uh, population here. And again, that's keeping with the median age. And so this is a reflection of our community. We want them to be comfortable. However, because we have so many older people in the church, a lot of them are choosing to remain in isolation. And so what we know is that because of the variance uh, to this virus and essentially fear, a lot of it is fear, um, a lot of people don't even want to get out of their homes. Now, imagine just being stuck uh, in your home. And that's not necessarily because of the restrictions or because they have underlying health issues. It's just what they're hearing on TV and they stay willingly in isolation. And so I, I want you to pray into these things. How do we reach the people who choose to stay in isolation? I don't mean to go change their minds that they need to come to church. I don't believe that at all. But I do believe that they're hurting. I do believe that they're alone. I do believe that they need fellowship one way or another. And so we're asking God for a strategy on how to do this. And we're asking you to pray informed. And so what I mean by that, and, and I've used this before in a different series, what I mean by praying informed is uh, being educated about a certain subject does something to you. It, I'm not saying that it's going to necessarily make your prayer any 
better or different, but it will certainly make how you pray better and different. I remember the words that James says about prayer. Uh, This is from the Amplified Translation. He says, the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous believer can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. And so being informed on what to pray about, I mean, we're not negating the Holy Spirit uh, when we don't know how to pray, but sometimes we do know how to pray and the Holy Spirit can use that as well. And in fact, it changes our disposition a little bit, doesn't it? When we pray informed, it doesn't change the effectiveness of the prayer, but it, it changes how we pray. Uh, certainly in, in the factor of it being a heartfelt and persistent prayer, like James says. In other words, it makes us more passionate if we know what we're praying for. And so I encourage you, keep listening to the podcast, Pray Informed. Now, all of that to say, I'm so grateful for you, partners, uh, you, you've, you've, gosh, you've given so much financial support, making this ministry possible, and you pray, and your prayers are accomplishing much. So if you have questions, ask them. If you have comments, make them, and if you have encouragement, share it. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Mission Sicily podcast. Together, we are making disciples planting churches, and building bridges of hope at the crossroads of cultures. Thank you so much. God bless you. Talk to you again soon.